Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Tuesday, July 18th. Late last week, Hollywood's Screen Actors Guild walked off the job in solidarity with the Writers Guild of America. We had the chance to discuss how the strike action will impact Calgary's film industry with Luke Azevedo, Operations and Film Commissioner with Calgary Economic Development. Hope's Cradle is a place for moms to safely leave a baby they can't care for and have a second location now coming to Calgary. We learn all about this crucial initiative from Jordan Guilford, founder of Hope's Cradle. Window seat or aisle seat? We all know for sure no one wants the dreaded middle seat. We catch up with the travel lady, Leslie Cater, for some tips on how to successfully get your seat in the seat you actually want the next time you fly. How long might the Hollywood actors and writers strike last? How big of an impact might it have on the film industry, especially here in Calgary and right across Canada? Joining us to talk about it is Luke Azevedo, Vice President and Creative Industries, Operations and Film Commissioner with Calgary Economic Development. Hi, Luke. How are you? Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Most importantly, how might it affect us, Luke? Well, you know, I think we've already started to see the effect, uh, projects going into hiatus, um, other projects that have uh, picked Calgary or Alberta as the region they'd like to shoot in, but um, are not going to be starting any new productions until uh, there's a a resolution to the strike. What is, for those folks who, who just like to watch their favorite programs, go to their favorite movies, be entertained... Uh, you know, we're on the sidelines saying, okay, just get back to work. We need more product. What is at issue here, Luke? What, what is being fought for? Well, there's a variety of things. I mean, you've got uh, some unprecedented um, scenarios right now. It's been 63 years since you've had two guilds of this nature on strike. And obviously there's a, a variety of things that uh, that are being um, discussed and, uh, and trying to be negotiated. Uh, tough for me to just go in and not being in the room and not hearing what these are. But there's there's talk of AI, there's talk about uh, pay, there's talk about equity uh, positioning, and um, you know there's there's a variety of uh, of different topics that uh, that have to come to some type of resolution. Hopefully for us, uh, we see them come to resolution and with some equity and uh, quickly, so uh, that we can continue to get back to uh, to production across the country and across the globe. Luke, you're in the trenches. How does this affect us and business here in Calgary in terms of filming? You know, obviously it affects us right across the country, but we have we have a lot going on in this city and surrounding area. We certainly do. What um, what our position is is that we continue to market Calgary and Alberta uh, in a similar fashion as we have. Uh, we've got some great things that have happened to us this year uh, with the Global Production Awards being selected as the location of the year, um, also having uh, being a finalist in City of the Year. We have some Emmy nominations up with, uh, with 24 uh, nominations for The Last of Us and six for Prey. And we've got some awards in, in August that we're hoping to be able to bring back as well for outstanding locations and outstanding film commissions. So we will continue to market the area and ensure that when the resolution comes to um, to the strike that we are positioned well to uh, to hit the ground running and hopefully get back to, uh, to production and uh, continue to grow the sector as it has in the last few years. What about the cost of this current strike action, Luke, as far as the dollar figures and maybe... You know, the, the big one, Hollywood in general, and how much of, this, of an impact it might have. And here in Calgary, the impact of not having these productions up and running. 
Well, it's, it's hundreds of millions, and I think our biggest concern is that, you know, we have um, great talent here in, in the province that we want to see working. We want to have uh, an opportunity to be able to, uh, to be back on set and be able to, uh, to uh, you know, do their chosen field and, and be able to, uh, to look after their, their families. And it, it's, a, it's a huge impact on, uh, on the industry itself across the globe. Um, and I think one of the things that, uh, you know, that needs to be said is that there's many people that um, it's going to be very difficult if uh, a strike continues to go for a long period of time to be uh, to have that resiliency and, and be able to uh, to make it through. So we're really hoping that uh, they find an equitable solution to this uh, in a quick manner and, and people can get back onto uh, onto these sets because it's going to be it's going to be difficult for many families across the globe. Luke, you know, on that note, obviously we, we don't know, you don't know how long this strike action could potentially last, but once it does end, how long does it take to sort of ramp things back up again when it comes to production? Well, that's a great question because it's not the flipping of a switch, right? We're not uh, we're not just turning the lights back on and going. Obviously, um, as things start to get to uh, to a resolution, the um, the studios and the unions and guilds will start to position to get things ready to go back. But it takes a while. There is uh, there's a lot of things that have to happen, and then you you start looking at some of the impediments that could be there. You know, what's what's the talent availability? What's the weather like? What are all these different things that impact the production? So. Some productions will have to move into next year. Others will hopefully get right back at it and start to go. But it's going to take us. It's going to take us a little while to uh, to get back to what we consider to be a sense of normalcy. So um, it's you know not this is never easy. And uh, like I said, it's not a flip of the switch. This is going to take us some time and some effort to get back to uh, to production levels as we're accustomed to. Luke, is there anything, you know, in the entertainment industry unaffected uh, by a strike like this? Or when you, you put these creatives under the same umbrella, does it touch every corner of the industry when it comes to film and well, TV? Well, you know, there's there's some projects that um, that will be able to continue, some of the smaller projects that don't have the um, GA or... Um, or SAG actors on it uh, that will will go some Canadian productions and obviously some productions in every uh, country that uh, that aren't affected directly but unions but um, it's going to have a, an impact across the board because it's there's not going to be enough work generated and moving to keep all the crews working and such so we're going to feel this impact for a while. Luke, thanks so much for joining us with an update. Let's hope things get back to normal pretty darn quick for uh, all those who work in this industry right here in our city and our province. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Have a good day. Luke Azevedo, Vice President, Creative Industries, Operations and Film Commissioner with the Calgary Economic Development. Hope's Cradle. It's an initiative to support mothers in need and save infants from unsafe abandonment. I mean, we've all heard stories about a newborn baby being abandoned in a dumpster in an alley. And a lot of reasons lead to these tragedies. But now there's a safe option called Hope's Cradle. Joining us with all the details is the woman behind the initiative to have Hope's Cradle locations in Calgary. And frankly, she's got greater vision to have them right across the country. Jordan Guildford joins us now. Hi, Jordan. How are you? Hi, thank you so much for having me. I know this is sort of something that morphed out of your business, something else you founded. It's a business called Gems for Gems. Let's step back and explain what Gems for Gems is before we move forward. Sure. So Gems for Gems is a registered charity. uh, So we're registered across Canada. Um, Our whole mission is to be able to end the cycle of domestic abuse for as many survivors as we possibly can. 
We really focus on high-impact initiatives. Our Gems for Gems scholarship program is one of them, where we fund full scholarships for survivors of abuse to trade schools. So the whole concept is that women can get in and get out and get on their feet as quickly as possible and have a life that's emotionally and economically sustainable outside of an abusive relationship. Uh, we have our Thrive program too, where we teach self-defense, financial literacy, resilience, and, and all kinds of different things. Everything is very much geared around supporting the survivor's next steps post leaving an abusive relationship. Love it. Okay, so Gem for Gems, yours. Uh, you know, uh, Hope's Cradle, not new, but something that you decided to get involved with. Why? What was, because you could have used, you know, the, the success you've had with Gems for Gems in any way, or the resources, your time. What was it about Hope's Cradle? And if you can break down what the organization means to you. Sure. Um, well, Hope's Cradle was founded during the pandemic. Um, and it gave us a very unique opportunity to really focus in on this new initiative because, quite frankly, with everything else shut down, mm -hmm. we had more time. Uh, so, I mean, it really comes down to the fact that uh, I had been looking into these type of options prior to us uh, launching Hope's Cradle. It, it is an, issue, an initiative that really speaks to me and speaks to my heart. The need is great. Um, but it really came to fruition because our board chair is a homicide detective here. His name's Detective Dave Sweet. And uh, he, the babies are his cases when they don't make it. So we spoke and he asked me if I thought GEMS could get behind this type of initiative. And I said, heck yeah. So we took it to our board and they voted yes. And we rolled up our sleeves and got to work. And it has been a huge success, but uh, is a massive testament to the a beautiful group of humans behind it that have worked tirelessly to be able to make it what it is today and make it what it will be tomorrow. Explain to us what exactly is Hope's Cradle so people can kind of envision and understand it. Sure. So it is an anonymous safe surrender location for women uh, to be able to have an alternative to the other anonymous options which have currently been used like ditches and dumpsters to be able to surrender their baby. Um, the way it works is that a woman will walk up to the door of the Hope's Cradle, she'll open it, a silent alarm will go off, notifying dispatch that the, the, the cradle has been opened. Uh, and then inside there's an envelope as well as a bassinet. The envelope is for her. It has uh, all kinds of postnatal care um, resources available to her. As far, also a medical form for her and the birth, mom, uh, birth father to be able to fill out to the best of their ability. Um, and then also a guided letter for the mother to be able to send in any final words to her baby. And it's, it's, like, a, it's like a heated drawer, basically, isn't it? You put the baby in the cradle, close the drawer, and, and it, it goes to the inside of the building. Yeah, if you, if you open the door to the cradle, it is a, it's a square with a nice bassinet inside with a blanket. Everything is safe. There is a camera pointing at the cradle itself, so there's nothing that would identify anyone uh, putting the baby in there. But that's so that when the, when the alarm goes off, people can check and make sure... Um, they understand what type of medical situation they're dealing with with the baby. You, you've got a little brochure here, Jordan, at uh, Hope's Cradle, a Gems for Gems uh, initiative, um, and it breaks down things beautifully. And, and one of the things I want to take it back to is something you mentioned, which is the anonymity. Mm -hmm. Super important. But also to the uh, forms, optional forms. What would be on said forms, for example, and why would they be important? Well, I mean, you see this in closed adoptions a lot too, uh, an identity crisis when the children are older. So although we're not forcing yeah. anyone to fill these out, they are highly encouraged just to be able to fill in whatever blanks possible. And that's also too why the 
uh, the guided letters really encouraged as well. Just if we're thinking about the baby, not just now and not just medically, but down the road emotionally. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us how successful the initiative's been? I know, that I think the first one was Strathmore, right? And But you've you've certainly spread beyond that. Um, yes, we, were, we are so grateful to Strathmore for helping us spearhead it. Uh, also too, at the time it was unproven. So um, companies like Jerome's Appliance Gallery and, and individuals like Deborah Morrow stepped up to be able to make it possible. And from that point, because of everyone's bravery and, and trust in us, uh, we've been able to get into Ontario, into Manitoba, uh, now Children's Cottage here. Uh, BC is, is speaking actively with us. Many across Ontario are speaking with us. Nova Scotia is, uh, I mean, I think the only, the only place we are not speaking to people is PEI which clearly they're on my radar. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> Incredible. So, so, so as you mentioned, the organizations that, that come together to bring uh, this in, incredible initiative to life. But what about an individual listening saying, I wish I could help out. Is there something that an individual Calgarian can do to help this initiative? Gosh, yes. Uh, the, the first thing that comes to mind is uh, being able to spread the word. I mean, we're not a uh, funding-wise, a large organization. So as far as marketing campaigns, we just don't have the dollars to be able to do what I want to be able to do with this. But obviously, again, that's very much on my radar. But spreading the word is huge. The other thing that is really big uh, would be looking for opportunities to be able to find locations for more Hope's Cradles. Mm. Uh, Specifically around Calgary, I would be so grateful for that. Um, we're having a little bit of uh, difficulty being able to get it across the line with fire stations here uh, for a few different reasons, uh, that difficulties that we're not facing in other locations. So we've looked at places like Children's Cottage, and we're honored mm-hmm. and so grateful to be able to partner with them. So there's other opportunities, and women's shelters could be a great yeah. place. Like There's so many places that we could do this. And I just need what I call a quarterback uh, to be able to help make it happen. Uh, and then we take over. We have partnered with uh, Wardley Construction, who's our team lead for the construction side. He's incredible. Everything is very easy. We just need the, the location. Yes. Yes, okay. we just need the location. Well, hopefully people can get in touch with you. I'll give you a website and then we'll just go back for a second and want to talk sure. about this. Gemsforgems.com slash HC for sure, Hope's yes, Cradle. Yeah. Gems for Gems, I wanted you to just touch on this before we let you go, that you are collecting jewelry. Like that's the, where the gems part comes from. So tell us that that side because that's an easy one for people to help take part in as well. Absolutely. Thank you for that, Sue. Yeah, you met me when it was just gems. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so the Gems for Gems started with our jewelry drive, which is just a, a simple jewelry jewelry collection of gently used jewelry from women in the public um, and our team cleans it packages it in, in packages of uh, three to five items and we give it to survivors of abuse in shelters um, across Canada on Christmas morning so uh, Saks in Chinook Centre has generously uh, offered to be our main uh, collection source so I would absolutely love it if women would go through what they have and and part Costume, with something jewelry yes good jewelry, anything whatever. the only criteria is that it's gently used and because of women stepping up we've been able to do over 21,000 gifts across Canada wow. yeah so this you're right it is an easy way but a highly impactful way and one that I encourage everyone to get a, get on board with awesome you're very busy and uh, <laughs> that she everything is. you uh, touch seems to be you know uh, to benefit our community. Mm-hmm. So we, we appreciate your time. Thank, Thank you. you so much, Jordan. Thank you very much. Jordan Guildford, uh, founder of Gems for Gems. And Sue gave the website because it's the one-stop shop. Gemsforgems.com slash HC, which is for Hope's Cradle.
Every second Tuesday, we have a chance to catch up with the travel lady, <laughs> Leslie Cater. Good morning to you, Leslie. Good morning, Andy. This is interesting because, uh, you know, I'm just happy to get away. I really don't care where I'm flying. I <laughs> love to get away. But inevitably, if you're traveling with someone, they say, okay, which seat do you want? I'm booking mm-hmm. it. It's, I, I don't care. But I, people are very <laughs> particular. And I didn't realize that the most dreaded seat on the airplane is the middle seat. Is this the case in your experience, Leslie? Yes. You know, I'm a middle seat person because my husband doesn't like sitting in the middle seat and I'm a good wife. So, (laughs) 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 But yes, I mean, many of the configurations of the planes, if you think about it, you've got this 3-3 configuration. So somebody ends up in that dreaded middle seat. Mm -hmm. And uh, so how do you avoid something like that? I mean, even if you go in, I recommend paying in advance for your uh, seat if you if you're fussy about where you sit and sometimes you might pay in advance and then you get to your seat and you think what the hell this doesn't recline yes so that's frustrating and I found this neat website called seat guru um, seatguru.com and if you put in your flight number there it will pull up the exact layout of the seat map and it will tell you which seats are good and which seats are bad so I think that that's quite handy to know in advance it is because nobody wants the middle seat. Nobody wants the one that doesn't recline. Nobody wants the back row seat because it doesn't recline either. Mm. And But it, that's the problem. I, like I am quite, kind of fussy. I don't mind if I'm window or aisle. I just don't like the middle. But I don't really want to pay extra to book it ahead of time because that annoys me that we have to do that now. <laughs> yeah, well, then when you're going in and booking your flight, I mean, just pay attention to the different fares that you're getting. The cheapest fare you get is always going to require you to pay for your seat, pay for your checked bag so bear that Mm. in mind and tot up the costs and see what's more effective for you but if you are fussy it's well worthwhile not leaving it to that 24-hour check-in if you don't want to pay extra at least like put your alarm clock on Mm. and make sure that the minute it opens up you jump in there yes and you grab that seat and I was interested to read that um, uh, Porter Airlines you've probably been reading about they've been adding more and more routes um, from uh, well they started off in Toronto now they're flying all over but their big thing is nobody gets a middle seat because all their configuration on their planes is 2-2 two, two. smart yeah. see why great? didn't we think of that on the bigger planes go 4 and 4 or you know still I don't middle, know something two in the middle at that yeah point. you know what I don't know, at least if you're with a family yeah it, even mm. those bigger planes where they've got a 2-4-2 two, two configuration even though you might be sort of middle, at least if you're traveling as a couple, you only have to climb over your significant other <laughs> Which <laughs> to is get fun out in the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, people really get um, antsy about having the space on their plane. And I read that there's a company that does flights out of Newark into Paris, and it's all business class. So you think to yourself, well, how much is that going to cost? Do you know that the round trip is priced from twenty two hundred per person for a round trip business class from Newark to Paris? That's not bad. That's not bad at all. And sometimes they have seat sales for a thousand dollars round trip. Now that is probably U.S., but even so, if you like to stretch out, it might be worthwhile schlepping down to Newark. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be what thirteen or fourteen hundred Canadian. Fantastic. Yeah, exactly. Um, That's why we turn to you, Leslie, for this great advice. And who knew? You can find a website to tell you which seats are best on your particular flight. (laughs) We'll be sending people to thetravellady.ca for more info. And in the meantime, have a great Tuesday, Leslie. Thanks so much, Andy. You too.
He is Leslie Cater, known as the Travel Lady.